You're listening to the Right Ordered Life Podcast, episode number 39. Do you ever fly off the handle or get fiery when someone triggers you? Yep, I'm nodding my head here. Getting angry and responding with yelling, arguing, or passive aggression can bring up feelings of shame, anxiety, guilt, and even embarrassment. So how do you deal with people who set off your angry fireworks show? Tune in to uncover the root cause, what anger really means, and what to say in difficult situations. That's coming up. I'm Stacy Santiago, and I'm here because I see you. If you're hearing my voice right now, chances are you're disappointed, grumpy, and honestly sick and tired of not having the time and energy to do it all. Here's the deal. I know that most days it feels too hard to be a good mom who successfully keeps her family and job going. It's normal to feel this way. I've been exactly where you are. As a board certified coach and licensed professional counselor, I've helped hundreds of clients connect with God, be happy at home, and do meaningful work without running out of time or energy. When you tune in each week, you're going to learn proven tools to live a right ordered life of faith, family, and purpose that you want to wake up to each day. Real quick before we jump in, I want to give a shout out to a very dear, loyal listener, Beth. From listening to the podcast and working with me, Beth said, this has been uplifting. I was in a dark place and kept going back there. I've learned to use all of the new tools to stay in the present and have a new story. I liked learning about interrupting negative thought patterns and also IFS, as well as routines and time. Now I have more peace, direction, and control over emotions that were out of whack. And I want to acknowledge Stacy for her steadfast honesty and very helpful feedback that really reflected her truly listening and understanding. Thank you, Beth. You are my beautiful sister in Christ, and I am so very grateful for you. I'm not an angry person, but my anger does flare and I do pop off when I'm triggered. For example, when one of my kids makes a huge mess while I was busy doing something else, or when my youngest opens a fragile Amazon package that he thinks is a toy for him, or when children are fighting, the loud and mean kind. There's only so much violation of peace and kindness that I can tolerate. Anger can be mysterious. When we don't understand why we feel angry, we often feel shame and think, there's something wrong with me. I'm a terrible person. We bury it as a weakness or like a scar and try desperately not to let the anger monster out of its cage in front of people we want to impress. I've tried to understand my anger and I've made some headway and I continue to work on it by reading books like Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz and diving deep into IFS, a therapeutic modality called Internal Family Systems. More on IFS in a bit. For me, the key to progress has been both a spiritual and a natural approach. I desperately need God's help and healing grace. I am not fixing all this on my own. But I also have to do my part with psychology and mindset. Letting go of anger is not an easy shift to make. 
the roots of anger run deep into your subconscious and it's been wired into your neural pathways for decades, like a hiking trail so worn in. Picture the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage trail. It's so well formed, it seems like it could never be erased. So anger runs deep, but there's hope. I can take you way deeper in coaching and give you a powerful solution. But I want you to feel an immediate gain today, more in control of your emotions to the extent that's possible in a podcast episode. So you feel less frustration, shame, and conflict with others. Before we look at how to respond when we're angry, I want you to know that your power comes from being aware. Awareness is an essential skill and it opens the door to being able to shift and find a deeper solution, right? You cannot fix what you're not aware of. Here are three things I want you to be aware of. Number one, who triggers you? Who's coming to mind right now? Is it your mom, your husband, a coworker, a friend or family member? And you're probably gonna wanna come back to this and write this stuff down. But let's just talk through it now. So number one is who triggers you? Number two, what triggers you? Is it criticism about how you're performing or how you look? Is it not getting help around the house or in life? Is it someone not listening to you or an injustice that you perceive? And number three, when are you triggered the most? Is it at night when you're super tired, when you're hungry, In stressful situations like being around a lot of people, maybe a presentation at work, or even travel. Travel can be intense when plans change. So who triggers you, what triggers you, and when are you triggered the most? And please know there's no judgment here. Whatever your triggers are, be curious about them. Start to wonder, what meaning am I making about this? Because ultimately it's not a person who makes you feel someone. Nobody can make you feel something. It's the meaning you make about the comment or behavior. Let's take me as an example. I think I handle personal criticism pretty well. For example, and this is very personal, by the way, I vividly remember years ago when I was out in public somewhere with a lot of people and a family member said to me, your boobs are so small. It's like, okay, all right. And I could have had all sorts of spiraling, spiraling thoughts about, well, what am I wearing? Why am I not, I'm, I'm not sufficient. What's wrong with me? And, and gosh, like, I, I don't get what's going on here. I could have gone in all sorts of directions. But I was just like, okay. Because I knew that that criticism, that judgment was coming from that person's insecurity. It really wasn't about me. Here's another example. Early on in my career, I was told that I was intimidating. And at first I was a little hurt by that because it felt like a deficiency. But I quickly became curious about that. Huh, I wonder why. What is it about me? And what is it about the other person, perhaps, that's receiving it that way? Now, on the other hand, I don't respond well to demands that take away my comfort. For example, having to stay out later than I expected, which prevents me from peacefully driving home, getting the kids to bed, 
and winding down comfortably. Instead, I'm triggered by the tired, screaming kids in the car and the conflict that ensues trying to get the boys bathed and rushed off to sleep before I lose my last tiny thread of patience. I don't do so well with that. Now, two more important things I want you to know. Know that negative emotion does not mean that something is wrong with you. All emotions are normal and valid. Sometimes I have clients ask me this. Is it okay to feel this way? Is this normal? Yes and yes. But Stacy, what about trauma? Unfortunately, living in a broken world and being raised by broken people, because we all are, trauma is common for most people, whether they experienced a single traumatic event or a gradual accrual of trauma in childhood, like an insecure attachment to a parent. Sometimes we can't even identify any trauma. And that's because our parts do a great job hiding it. That brings me to the second important thing. When you respond with anger, it's only a part of you that's responding that way. It could be your inner critic part. For me, I know a lot of it comes from my needs part because my needs wants need, that's why I call it needs. Once it's needs to be met and when it's not, it gets very upset. Anger is often a firefighter that steps in to prevent an exile like shame from flooding you. What? Okay, so let me circle back to IFS and clarify. The internal family systems model teaches that we all have multiple personalities within ourselves. And these personalities fit into one of three types. You've got a manager, firefighter, and exile. So real quick, this goes into a lot of depth here, but I just want to give you the overview so you have a sense of what I'm talking about when I say parts. The managers are the parts that are proactive. They are operating each day to protect you. They are usually, quote, driving the bus. (laughs) And they are doing a job that they see as needed to keep things in order, to protect you, to get you to perform to a certain standard, to be a good girl, perhaps. And then you have the firefighters and they step in usually with something that feels compulsive. And this can be an extreme coping mechanism like drugs or alcohol, overeating, spending, anger. And they step in when the managers fall short and the exile is at risk of kind of escaping and surfacing because that exile is carrying an extreme burden that does not feel good to our system, like shame, for example. Maybe it's guilt. There can be all sorts of emotions in there that the exile is carrying. And if the exile starts flooding you, ooh, then it's like system out of whack. It's like danger, danger. So the firefighter steps in to try and quell that rise of the exile and return the system back to more or less an equilibrium. So we have parts inside of us and they're doing a job that they perceive is needed to keep us safe. And this actually makes sense, this concept of multiple personalities. If you think about our God, the Holy Trinity, God is three persons in one, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Back to anger as a firefighter. Anger can flash in a blink of an eye. 
if it's a default part that's trying to prevent you from flooding what your system perceives to be a more negative, damaging emotion. And this makes sense because if you look at the emotional guidance scale, and you can simply Google that emotional guidance scale and click Google it, images, you'll see that anger is an easier emotion. It's more acceptable to your system than powerlessness, guilt, hopelessness, grief, and insecurity. And visually, you can see this on the scale. It's depicted by anger being higher up on the scale. Does most of that make sense? As always, feel free to reach out to me if you want more clarity or help with this. It's important that you get the support that you need. Okay, now let's look at three default responses to anger. And you are probably familiar with these. Number one is freeze. That's the inner retreat, kind of the the shutdown. And that's where you might be in conversation with someone and you are just sitting there, standing there, and taking it. That's the freeze with literally no response. Then there's flight. And that's where you are running away. You are exiting the situation. And that can be okay if your plan is to respond when you calm down. I know I've gone and locked myself in the pantry or gone out to the car when I'm like, okay, the child is triggering me. I need to calm down and then come back to this. So that can be okay. But most of the time that flight response is an avoidant one. And we're really not intentionally trying to come back to it. We're just avoiding. So that's what you don't want to do. And then fight. And that's where we escalate to defend ourselves or to get what we want. And this fight state is speaking from the amygdala. That's the emotional part of the brain versus the prefrontal cortex, which is reason. If you've ever engaged in fight with a child who's emotional, you'll see that your reason isn't getting through. Okay, you can't bypass the emotional part of the brain and just access reason. It doesn't work that way. The defenses are already up. The emotion is blinding that reason. So what is the healthier, more empowered way to respond when someone makes you angry? Here are two specific ways. Number one, I call this the pattern interrupt. And you can use the pattern interrupt to lighten the conversation or to effectively move you out of it. So I'll give you some specific examples, different forms the pattern interrupt could take. Could be a reminder, and you're saying this to yourself, either either aloud or in your head. It's okay. I'm safe. Sometimes that first response we need is to just recognize that we're safe. You could have kind of like a code word. You could say Control-Alt-Delete or Diffuse, Diffuse. Sometimes it's reminding yourself, child of God. I'm speaking to a child of God. And that's that little quick perspective shift. Okay, another form the pattern interrupt can take is a prayer. And that can be as simple as Jesus. When I was growing up and I went to Catholic school, when the nuns, when they would get upset, especially this one nun who was quite prone to anger, she would say, patience of the heart of Jesus, be not weary of my heart. So you can say a prayer as well. Another thing you can do is ask for a pause or a breath. Hold on, I need to take a pause. Or can we take a breath? Okay. Another thing you can do is kind of check with yourself real quick. Where's the gold? Like the pot at the end of the rainbow. Where's the good thing on the other side of this? Reminding yourself, okay, 
We're trying to get to understanding. Or maybe it's a hug, clarity, some type of resolution, or practicing a virtue. And if it's best to end the topic of discussion or the conversation altogether, I want you to try out this. This conversation is no longer productive. Would you like to talk about something else or end the conversation for now? I'll say that again. This conversation is no longer productive. Would you like to talk about something else or end the conversation for now? And if it's more of a professional context, you could say, this conversation is no longer productive. Let's circle back again later. That's an incredibly helpful phrase that has worked personally and professionally for many of my clients. All right, so that's the pattern interrupt. The second strategy here is curiosity. And where a pattern interrupt moves you out of a conversation or eases it, the curiosity moves you deeper into the conversation. And the premise that makes this successful is that most of the time, it's not about you. Have you ever stereotyped someone or judged them only to get to know them and find out that they're completely different? They're interesting. They're even a person you admire. What if you didn't have to wait for that enlightenment to come on its own? What if intentionally being curious could help you see the person in truth and with compassion right from the start? One of my favorite curiosity responses in that first line of defense here is to simply say, that's interesting. I had to learn how to be curious. I once got feedback from a senior leader back when I had a corporate job that my internal editor wasn't working well. I needed business maturity. And she said that because in meetings, you could always tell how I felt about the issue. (laughs) You could always just read my face and my nonverbals that if I didn't like something, my feathers were ruffled, you could visibly see that I was not containing my emotions here. So some questions that you can ask in your mind to be curious are, huh, what is she afraid of? What's triggering him? What's really going on for this person right now? What is she struggling with? Another thing you can say is, tell me more. Is there anything more to that? Because oftentimes we need to help the person de-escalate themselves (laughs) before we can get more reason and more content here. So you could say, tell me more. Is there anything more to that? And this is hard, even if it's what they're saying is about you. You know it's not really about you, but they might even be talking about you, telling you what they don't like about you or how you say it. And so you're actually inviting them to say more of those things. That takes a lot of strength. But remember, ultimately, the root of it is not about you. Let me give you an example. One of my clients, her husband would repack the dishwasher after she'd already put the dirty dishes in. He would take them out and reorganize them back in. And she felt very criticized and hurt. She was making the meaning that she wasn't competent. And once she learned to be curious and that another meaning was available, she was able to understand, well, he is a little OCD. His desire for control and safety could be manifesting in the organization of the dishwasher. Yes. See, so very often, someone else's criticism, judgment, or anger is not about you. 
Another example, I had a client whose boss would yell at her for things that she knew she did right. And at first she thought it was because maybe she's just not good enough, not as smart or as fast as some of her colleagues, or maybe she just wasn't likable. Ultimately, her boss got fired and she was promoted. His anger wasn't about her and she didn't need to internalize it personally. Okay, now let's flip this not about you thing around. Your anger is not about the other person, just like their anger is probably not about you. So yes, the other person is a trigger for you and they're involved in the circumstance, but your reaction is about you. Your reaction is about you, which is good because it gives you power. And here's the five-step process that gives you power. Number one is awareness. Oh, that is just the floodgates of power right here. Because you can't do anything about anything you're not aware of. And if you're not aware of it, what you do is give your power to somebody else. Number two, reflect to understand. What is the meaning I'm making about this? What wound of mine isn't touching? What may be insecurity? Or what part of me, right? Not all of you. What part of me is triggered and why? Number three, learn tools to help ease your emotions and reactions. We're talking about some of those here, but there's an immense vault that I have with processes and tools to help you mitigate your emotions and react in a more effective way. But you got to learn the tools. And then number four, you got to practice that. You got to practice. The goal in life is not to eliminate all triggers. It's to manage how far down your cork goes and for how long. And you've probably heard me use this analogy before of the cork. So if you have a bathtub and it's filling up with water, the cork is just bobbing peacefully on the surface. But if you turn the faucet on full force, the water falls down on the cork and pushes it below the surface. So that's what I mean. It's how long is your cork, your emotions, how long is it going to be pushed down under that water and how far is it going to go, right? How deep is the negative spiral? The more you practice, the less the intensity and the shorter the duration that your cork will go below the water. And then step five, pray. Ask God for healing. You're not going to be able to fix this 100% on your own. We are just not that powerful. The power is in the surrender and it's the need to have your loving father's help. Okay. So five-step process that gives you power, awareness, reflect to understand, learn the tools to help you ease your emotions and reactions, practice, practice these tools and pray. All right, my friend, in summary, negative emotion does not mean that something is wrong with you. All emotions are normal and valid. And second thing, when you respond with anger, it's only a part of you that's responding that way. Like maybe it's your inner critic or your needs part. And the two ways to respond to anger in a healthy, empowered way are the pattern interrupt and curiosity. Curiosity, that's interesting. I hope that makes sense. And thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to listen, my friend. You mean so much to me, and I'm incredibly grateful for our connection in this space. 
And please know you are not alone. My dream is for you to go from unhappy, stuck, lack of confidence, struggling with all the things of life to joyful, clear, lighter, and empowered on a path to design a life that puts a smile on your face as you pop out of bed with energy each morning. Be bold today. Be the victor and call. Book a call with me. You'll change the tide from going it alone to allowing me and the Lord to listen and provide a solution. You can grab a time on my calendar through the link at the top right of stacysantiago.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. Your time and my time is valuable. So we'll do nothing less than uncover what's keeping you stuck and blow your mind with a clear path forward. And by now, you know, I love helping you. I've got tons of amazing tools to share with you for free. So reach out, send me a DM or write me directly at stacy at stacysantiago.com. Let me know what's going on, where you're stuck. I look forward to seeing your name in my messages soon. And one more super quick request. Would you please leave a review in the Apple Podcast app? Super simple and takes less than 60 seconds. Just scroll down under the Right Ordered Life podcast episodes, tap to leave a five-star rating, and then right below that, click Write a Review and write a few simple words about what you like about the podcast. Thank you for helping me get this message out to women who need to hear it. Coming up next week on the show, I'm taking you on a deep dive into fulfillment with a game-changing tool I call the Fulfillment Blueprint. For over a decade, clients have successfully used this blueprint as their personal roadmap for discovering their purpose and ideal career. It's comprehensive, it's all the pieces of the puzzle, and it's fascinating. You'll see details about your personality, interest, values, talents, skills more clearly than you ever have before. So go share the show with your friends, let them know that's coming up next week, and invite them to tune in with you and learn how to connect with God be happy at home, and do meaningful work too. I'll see you back here next week, my friend. Until then, celebrate that you are one step closer to living your right order life.